0: Seven. And while you're turning there, we are, we started a new series on theology, we're looking at Bible doctrine, we gave an introduction to Bible doctrine last Sunday morning, and this morning we're going to teach you on the doctrine of Revelation, the doctrine of Revelation. Okay, Matthew 11 and verse 27, if you're there, say praise the Lord. Jesus said this, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. You see that? Okay, let's, let me read it again. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man, say with me, no man, knoweth the Son, but the Father, neither knoweth any man, the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. I think I'll stop there. Father, we come up here right now, we ask you blessing. Upon the reading of your holy word, we thank you, God, for your instruction. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, the doctrine of revelation is God revealing Himself to man. One man said, name's Pascal, said, that He is an unknown, He is a God that is unknown, but He is a God that can be known. Now, what that simply means is that God has revealed Himself to man. If God had not revealed Himself to us, we would not be able to know God. Okay? So this is what Jesus is speaking here. He's given us, Jesus Himself has given us the doctrine of revelation. That it is God that is revealing himself to man, and without that, man, without that, man would not know him. So look at verse 27 again. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So Jesus has come into the world, uh, the God-man, to reveal the Father and the Son to us. Now go to Matthew 16. Now, the Father, of course, is the Spirit of God, amen? Invisible Spirit of God, which is omnipresent, means everywhere present. Omniscient means He knows all things. Omnipotent means He's all-powerful. So this omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, or all-powerful God has been revealed to us by Himself, amen? And He did that in the Son. And the Son came, Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh, and so the Son would be the humanity of, of Jesus. Now look in Matthew 16, and Peter, of course, got a revelation that Jesus was the Son of God. So in Matthew 16 and verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven. You see that? All right, now, Peter would not have known that Jesus was the Son of God. He would not have had an understanding intellectually as a man that Jesus was God, come in the flesh, or the Son of God. This had to be revealed to him from the Father. Now, you can take the Bible in hand, and you can study the Bible. But you still have to have a revelation from God that Jesus is God. We can do our best to try to teach you on the oneness of God, amen? Give you scripture, give you the doctrine on the oneness of God. But until you get that revelation for yourself, revealed from God to you, you'll never understand it. Okay? That's why a lot of people don't understand the oneness of God. They sit down and teach and they say, well, I know there's one God, but I just don't totally understand everything you're saying because it has to be revealed to you from the Lord. Okay, do you understand that? All right? So we see then it's not something that man can attain uh, through his own intellectual abilities. Now go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. So you're beginning to understand that without God revealing himself to us, it would be impossible for us to know God. Correct? Correct. Okay. first Corinthians chapter 2 let me make sure I got it right maybe 1 Corinthians 2 let me get the scripture for you be sure 210 okay first Corinthians 210 but as it is written verse 9 I have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But notice this. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. So what does He revealed to us? The things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But it it has to be a revelation from God. God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So it's Spirit revealed, correct? Okay, let's go over into the book of Amos in the third chapter of Amos. Minor prophet Amos in the Old Testament. In Amos 3 and verse 7 it says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants the prophets. Do you see that? So we have God's revelation revealing Himself to the prophets. Now go to Job 11 and verse 7. It is necessary, essential, for there to be the doctrine of revelation. Because man cannot intellectually on his own know God without that revelation so Job 11 and verse 7 you're there say praise the Lord Okay. And then, canst thou by searching find out God can thou find out the almighty unto perfection and the answer is no ok so except God reveals himself to man man wouldn't know God so God is good in the fact that he has revealed himself uh, to us now there is what is known as the general revelation of God and in the Bible when you talk about general revelation it's a doctrine and this general revelation is God revealing himself to man and this general revelation applies to all men okay when I say general revelation that means that something that is something that all men can know not just the believer but all men can know the general revelation of God. Number one, by nature. I'll understand what nature is. Okay, I'll do my best to define terms. Nature is defined oftentimes by something that is external. Okay? But it also has to do with being. B-E-I-N-G. Being or existence. We're talking about nature, external things, or being, existence. Now, nature... Natural things reveal to us that there is a God. Right? The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When you look at creation or the natural world, it is a revelation from God that He exists. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying here today? General revelation. Everybody can look at this planet, look at the stars, look at the heavens, look at creation. And come to a conclusion without even a Bible, they can come to a conclusion that there is a God. Because when you look at everything around you, the created world, intelligent design tells you there has to be an intelligent designer. Does that make sense? So if you've never heard the gospel preached by a preacher to you, you will say you're a native in a forest somewhere You can come to a general revelation that there is a God by looking at creation itself because creation or nature teaches you that there is a God. Does that make sense? The existence of an intelligent designer. Alright? You understand what I'm saying? That is a general revelation from God. His creation tells you that there is a God. But nature or creation... It's not sufficient to know God. It points you to God, but it's not sufficient for you to know God. Because there's a lot of people, they look at creation, and instead of it leading them to God, they worship creation. They worship the things that they make with their hands, right? So nature or nat- the natural world is not sufficient enough for you to know God personally or to be saved. But it is enough to tell everybody in the world. Whether or not they've ever heard the word of God preached or not. To tell everybody that there is a God. An intelligent designer that in, that in designed this intelligent world. Praise God. Okay? It didn't just happen. You have a 747 jet. And a 747 jet just happened and just come together. No, it was put together, right? Intelligent design says there's an intelligent designer. And, they, and man put that together, correct? So if I see a 747 jet out there, that tells me somebody made that jet. That jet didn't make itself. It didn't just come together, you know, with a big explosion. All of a sudden, the jet came together. Like through an evolutionary process, a big bang theory that big bang and boom, a big explosion and all of a sudden we got a jet sitting out in front yard. Correct? Alright. No, the jet tells you that somebody made that jet and it was, you know, so if somebody made the jet there was somebody behind the jet. Same thing with creation. It is a general revelation from God to man, telling man that there is a God who is the intelligent designer. So you can know that much about God you can know that there is a God, and he's powerful, and that he's very wise. When you look at this world, the power it took for this world to be created, and the intelligent design tells you he's very wise, very powerful, very powerful God, and very wise God, but it's still not sufficient to bring you to a knowledge of this God. You won't know how to be saved by just looking at the creation. But you can at least know there is a God by creation. You understand that? And so God, in His goodness, gave gave man a general revelation of Himself by simply creating the heavens and the earth, and we can look at it and it's teaching us about His eternal power and Godhead. Amen? Say praise the Lord. Are are y'all still awake? Are you sure? Okay. Another general revelation from God, we're talking about the doctrine of revelation, how He reveals Himself to man, is He gave man a conscience. you understand that? Say with me, He gave man a conscience. Go to Romans chapter, uh, chapter 2. When God created man, He put something inside of man called a conscience. And in that conscience that gives the ability inside of man. Man knows in, by intuition he knows inside of him that there is a God. Because God put that inside of him this what some people call a light, but really it's the conscience. You know, we're, we've got to be careful here because the Quakers used to teach that every man had light within himself and that he didn't have to have the Bible to get to God. That this light that was in him was enough to get him uh, where he needed to be in God. So we've got to be careful. We've got to steer away from Quakerism, which teaches about man having this light, and we don't need the Word of God. Okay, so we're not going to call it that. We're going to call it conscience. So God put man, put inside of man what is called a conscience. This inward ability, this ability, something inside of him that tells him, okay, Whether he's ever heard about God preached or not, he knows inside, because God put it inside of him, that there is a God. So inwardly, he knows. Now, he may say, I don't believe there's a God. He may be an atheist. He may say, I don't believe in the existence of God. Right? But on the inside, he knows. Even when he says there's no God, the fool has said in his heart, no God, or there's no God. Inside, he knows there's a God because God put that inside of him. It's a general revelation to all men from inside that there is a God. Do you understand that? If you do, say praise the Lord. Okay, go to Romans. Praise the Lord. Amen, God is good. Am I boring you? I love this kind of stuff. So, you know, I get up here and I get all excited about it. You can go to sleep, and that doesn't mean that you're not intelligent. I'm preaching and speaking to very intelligent people. Amen. But I'm just saying, do you do you enjoy being taught doctrinal things? Amen. I do. I really do. Let's just look at Romans 1 first, okay? And we see in one twenty 20 about natural things. Uh, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse, right? So we have the natural world creation uh, teaches us that there is a God. Now, amen. Okay, verse, also back up, to verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifested, where? In them, for God has showed it unto them. Now, He put a conscience inside of man and that conscience allows him to know that there's a God and in that conscience God put his law. okay so go to Romans 2 and 14. God put that conscience in you, what is a conscience? When you define the word conscience, how many of y'all have a conscience? The good news is everybody in here has got a conscience. Everybody has a conscience. Well conscience, the word science means knowledge, correct? It's connected to knowledge. So conscience means a knowing with oneself. So conscience is what gives you to, the ability to know yourself. Correct? It's a knowing within oneself. When did man get a conscience? Ever heard of the dispensation of conscience? We pull roll this big old chart out. That dispensation of conscience. Has everybody heard of that? When did the dispensation of conscience start? Praise the Lord. All right, well, praise. Okay, let me answer, because it's sort of a trick question, isn't it? The dispensation of conscience, when the dispensation of conscience start? After the fall of man. Is that when man got conscience? Mm -hmm. No, because God put conscience in man, ability to know himself, and also that is the ability to know right from wrong at the time God created him. He put, he put a conscience in everybody. He put a conscience in Adam and Eve before the fall. But before the fall, the conscience was basically inoperable. It wasn't working. I say it worked. It gave you the knowledge itself, but it, it in the sense that now we move into conscience. Correct. It really kicked in after the fall of man. And what did man do by conscience? he hid himself from the presence of God because he knew he had done something wrong. Okay, so God put a conscience in him, the ability to know self and the ability to know right from wrong, but it really started operating after the fall when man hid himself from God when he knew he had done something wrong. Okay, say amen. Now, look at Romans 2. In that conscience, in that place where uh, you have the ability to know yourself, to know right from wrong, uh, in that place, let you know that there is a God. 2.14, it says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, were a law unto themselves. Watch this. Verse 15. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another so he lets us know that people that didn't even have the word of God they had a conscience and God put his law in that conscience so when man was created in the garden God put that conscience in him that ability to know himself the ability to know right from wrong It really started operating after the fall of man. Uh, Man hid himself from the presence of the Lord because his conscience was violated and he did wrong. But in man is where that, in the conscience of man is where God put his law. Even in the unbeliever. Even in somebody that's never heard the word of God preached, God put his law, or deposited his law, into the conscience of man. Does that make sense to you? So conscience then gives you the ability on the inside of you to know that there is a God because He put His law in that conscience. And it reveals to you that this God is a God of law. But the conscience is insufficient to know God personally. It's insufficient because your conscience can be defiled by sin. It can be corrupted by sin. Your conscience can be seared. So, if your conscience can be seared, it can be defiled and it can be corrupted. That means it is not sufficient enough for you to know God on a personal level. Amen. Your conscience. I'm going to tell you how to get saved, but it is a general revelation to who? To all people. That there is a God. You with me so far? Now, the third thing that comes under this umbrella called general revelation is historical revelation. You with me here? Historical revelation. All right. That God is behind the rise and fall of powers, nations, kingdoms. I want to, I want to pull this out if I can, so you'll see it chart we'll talk about prophecy as a revelation of God in a moment Okay. with this alright remember the prophet Daniel he talked about these powers he lived in the days of the Babylonian empire but God revealed to him the rise and fall of powers Babylon, medo persia Greece, Rome, correct? Well, God is involved supernaturally with the rise and fall of nations. Who would deny that God intervened and sent the plagues into Egypt? Is there anybody that would deny that those events actually happened? Well, if you do, then you're, then I don't know, you're just looking for a way out, trying not to believe in God. Because it is, it is a historical fact that these plagues came into the land of Egypt, alright? Supernatural plagues, miraculous plagues, which means simply this that they were they were beyond the usual normal, okay? But anyway, he caused the rise and fall of Egypt. He caused the rise and fall of Assyria, He caused the rise and fall of Babylon. He calls the rise and fall of the Middle Persians, the Greeks, okay? He predicted and prophesied these nations, even the Roman Empire, its rise and its fall. So historically, you can see the hand of God. History reveals to you that there's a God through the rise and falls of nations. And so that is a general revelation to man that there is a God, the rise and fall of nations. Does that make sense to you? Now, but that is not sufficient enough for you to know God. Okay? You know it exists, but will you know how to be saved that way. Not only just the rise and fall of nations, but the nation of Israel. Go to Deuteronomy 4. In verse 33, Deuteronomy 4, 33. How many of you have heard of a little nation called Israel? Israel is definitely a proof that there is God. Okay? Who would deny that God brought them out of the land of Egypt? Who would deny that there was a tabernacle in the wilderness? Who would deny that there was a priesthood? Who would deny that there were sacrifices that these people offered? Who would deny this? That's historic. It's a historical fact. Where did they get all of this information? First of all, how did they come out of Egypt? Where did they get the knowledge of the tabernacle? Where did they they get the knowledge of the priesthood? Where did they get the knowledge of sacrifices? Where did they get that knowledge? Well, it started with their patriarchs. The word patriarch means fathers. Abraham had a visible revelation of God. God showed himself to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, in a visible way. A visible manifestation of God. Okay? So God spoke to the founders of the nation of Israel, like Abraham. He spoke to Isaac. He spoke to Jacob. They had conversation with God. God revealed himself, showed himself, manifested himself to these people. So they had a communication with God, right? And so out of them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 12 tribes, we have this nation called Israel that were started with the founding fathers who actually had a visible manifestation of God come to them, correct? And God brought them out of Egypt. Who would deny Mount Sinai? Brought them out of Egypt, took them to Mount Sinai, gave them the Ten Commandments. Who would deny that? Who would deny the Red Sea opening up and people crossing over? They're not, listen, even people who don't believe in God do not try to discount the historical facts of these events. They might try to explain them away as not being miraculous. They might try to explain the Red Sea it, uh, happening by something that they said basically the water was shallow, shallow in those years. The Red Sea was shallow, it wasn't very deep. So really they walked through the water? Well, it was deep enough to drown Pharaoh's armies. Okay, so I'm just what I'm trying to say to you is this is that people know these things happened historically and they may try to do away with the miraculous aspect of it, you know, which they can't. But nobody denies that these people came out of Egypt, two million strong. Nobody denies that they went to Mount Sinai and they received the the Ten Commandments. Nobody denies that they went from there. Are y'all with me here? Say praise God. Went from Mount Sinai to the Red Sea. The Red Sea opened up, they crossed over. Nobody denies that. Nobody denies that they wandered in the wilderness. Nobody denies that. This is historical facts. Nobody denies that They had contact with the nations as they went on their way to the promised land. Nobody denies that. That is a general revelation from God to man that He is the God who is real. Okay? So Deuteronomy uh, 433. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as thou hast heard and lived? See, God spoke to this nation out of a fire. A pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. Right? You understand that? ever heard God speak out of a cloud like that? That's what he's saying to this nation. Now notice, he goes on. Or hath God a say to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation? by temptations, by signs, by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched-out arm, and by the great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He said he took you out of a nation. He took a nation out of a nation. Israel is the only nation that has ever been created that could be called a, a nation of God. The United States of America is not a nation of God. Only only Israel can say that they were particularly a nation unto God. God took them to the mountain to Mount Sinai and he made them that nation of people, his people, nor other nation in the world can say. Okay? Now watch. We have these signs, He brings them out of Egypt, wonders, wars, mighty hands, so on and so forth. verse thirty five unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord he is God. There is none else beside him. Notice that. It was shown. So we have revelation. Revelation means unveiling. It means to uncover. It means to make known. And God, as he brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt, all these signs and wonders, is to make known that he is the Lord God. It is his revelation to man. It's him unveiling. It's him uncovering. It's him making known himself. Men would not have known this if God had not done this. All right? So it tells you very qu- clearly, verse 35, unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside you. The general revelation. And it wasn't just for Israel. It was for the nations of the world. As they marched up to Jericho, they had already had the witness about how God had already with here? Nations were trembling because God was with this people. Nations who didn't even believe in God trembled because they knew that God was with that people. I mean they shut the door to Jericho, locked himself in, they hid him in that city. Why? Because they knew God was with that people. you understand that? I and mean, they could see a pillar of fire leading them by night and a cloud by day. They, they saw uh, kingdoms and powers nations fall before them, and now they're coming to Jericho, and they tremble, because they knew God, it was in the midst of them, who can deny those historical facts of those nations trembling, when God brought Israel up, right? do you understand what I'm saying, it is a factual, it's a known thing, that God exists, verse 37, out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee, upon earth he showed thee his great fire and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire and because he loved thy fathers therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art to bring thee in to give thee their land for inheritance as it is this Joshua talks about the seven nations that God defeated. These nations, these seven nations that God defeated in the land of Canaan in order for Israel to have the land were greater and more powerful than Israel. Who could deny that these nations were overthrown and that Israel moved into that land? Verse 37, I read it again, because he loved thy fathers before he chose their seed after them and brought thee out in his sight, with his mighty power of Egypt to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art to bring thee in to give thee their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. Amen. There is none else. Amen. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes, his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee, with thy children after thee. Thou, thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for The nation of Israel is a is a natural, general revelation of God, proving that God exists. And the fact today that Israel is still in their land, the fact that Israel has been preserved through all of these years thousands of years that nation has been preserved the fact that it's preserved today and they're still in their land and they're a nation today proves that there is a God okay so the historical uh, teaching reveals to us that there's a God historically because of the rise and falls of nations of Syria Egypt, Assyria, Babylon Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome so on and so forth, the rise of that little nation of Israel, the matter signs and wonders that, that accompanied the uh, deliverance of Israel, and then the bringing of them into the land—that's all proof that God exists. But it's insufficient for you to be saved. You are you with me today? Just to, just to have a knowledge of the historical facts of the rising and falling of nations, and that God has made a little nation called Israel to be what it is—is not sufficient enough say so are you with me the creation of the world what else conscience inside of us and historical truth is God's revelation to man that he exists but all of that is insufficient for you and I to know God in a personal way that makes sense okay now when you get to the, revelation and understanding of the doctrine revelation of God, you need to understand that there is other revelation from God and it's special revelation. So now we move from general revelation to special revelation. Special revelation is God's dealing with man on an individual basis. Okay? It has to do with miracles. Say miracles. The, The fact that miracles have taken place in individuals' lives prove that God proof, okay? Now, let me explain something to you. There is a group of people called the deists. Some people claim that our founding fathers were deists. Let me explain to you what that means. They teach that God, when he created the heavens and the earth, he like wound this thing up like a clock. Okay? Once he wound the, uh, the clock, he stepped back that he's no longer involved with his creation. But once he wound the clock, he stepped back, and now the clock operates on its own. Okay? You with me here? That it's, main, it's self maintaining. It maintains itself, it runs itself. God is not involved with it anymore. Well, we know that that's not true. The Bible says he created everything by the word of his power, but he also keeps it going. He keeps it together and he keeps it going. So we know that that's not a true doctrine. Okay, to say that God just round the clock, he stepped out of it. He's no longer involved with creation. It's maintaining itself. It's winding down like a clock. You understand? That's what they believe. With me? Okay. Do you believe that? I, I want you to think about what I'm asking you. Do you believe that? Okay. I don't believe that. I believe that God is actively involved in creation today. He keeps it all together by the word of his power. He keeps it running. He keeps it operating. God is the one that's doing it. Okay? It's not like he wound everything up and he just letting it go on its own. I thank God for that. Because if if I was a deist, that means that I would I would tell you that God does not intervene to help you. He just started everything out. He's out of the picture now. And he's just letting it run down. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve is actively involved in His creation. And at times, He, he intervenes in that creation and works a miracle. Now, some people teach that a miracle is, is something that's contrary to nature. That is not true. A miracle is not contrary to nature. It is God doing something unusual. And for a miracle to take place, it has to be from God. So God can step in or intervene into the natural process of this world and work a miracle. Now, it's not contrary to nature because sometimes God uses nature, the natural world, but He just enlarges it. He increases it. A miracle. Think about the miracle of the flood. The flood was a miracle. It wasn't contrary to nature, it was God using nature in an unusual way. You understand that? Say so if you do, then praise the Lord. Okay. So a miracle then, and I'll just give it to you this way. I'll give you the actual definition of it so you'll get it. Alright? It's an unusual event. Sometimes natural laws are intensified, like the flood or the plagues of Egypt. And then there's sometimes nature is excluded altogether, like the healing of the sick. God doesn't use the natural. We we call it a healing, a miracle healing. Now your body can heal naturally, but if you experience a miracle from God, He excludes the natural process, steps in and does something unusual and supernatural. Praise the Lord. Excluding natural process, miracle. The resurrection is an excluding of a natural process. God comes and raises Jesus from the dead or somebody from the dead. That's not natural. That's supernatural. Amen? So God can work a miracle and use natural laws... Me, not bypass them, but they're intensified. Or he can use a miracle in the sense that nature is excluded altogether, like healing the sick or raising the dead. But these things, these miracles that are done, are not a general revelation from God to man, they are specific revelation of God to man to special people or to individuals. I should say, to individuals. But miracles prove. God exists. And He's still working them today. This seat, and, and when I when I see this, I mean I really I feed on this. I live on this because I was thinking about it as I'm driving down the road the other day, you know. The enemy will come and talk to you and says, God's not involved. Okay? He's already got it in motion. He's already set everything in motion. Everything's already at work the way he wants, and he's not going to come in and do anything different. That's what the enemy will tell you. But I know a God that intervenes in the time, amen, and intensifies natural laws or excludes natural laws altogether and does something unusual, not just to put on a show. When God does a miracle, it's never to put on a show. When God does a miracle, it's benevolent. It's to accomplish something good. It's ultimately from God to get you to God, to point to God. If the devil, the devil can work a miracle. Did you know that? The devil can work a miracle. He can work a sign. Amen. Yeah, he can. But when he works a miracle, his miracles are always to put on a show. His miracles that he does is to take you away from God. Look what he did in in, in Job. We preached Wednesday night on Job. The devil had power over fire, the devil had power over the wind. Amen? He had power to intensify nature. So the devil can work miracles. Don't you ever think that he can't work a miracle? But when the devil works a miracle, it's always to take you away from God, not to lead you to God. When God works a miracle, it's to point you to God, to lead you to God. And it's not just to put on a show, it's always for the good. Okay, y'all understand that? Who would deny the miracles of God? The Bible's full of the miracles of God. The plagues of Egypt intensified nature. The opening up of the Red Sea, that was a miracle of God, do you understand that? People raised from the dead in the Old Testament even, miracles of God, pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, that's a miracle of God, so on and so forth, Get in the New Testament when Jesus comes into the world, miracles, numerous miracles in the Gospels, numerous miracles in the book of Acts, just miracle, miracle, miracle. God stepping in, intervening, and doing unusual things. Intensifying nature or exclude nature altogether. I'm glad today that I serve with God like that. You here with me? Because I would I wouldn't have any hope of, of any change. If God doesn't answer prayer. If everything's just going to keep on happening and I can't change it by prayer, that that takes my hope away. But because I know that God is real and I know that God, you know, he didn't just start the clock and let it run down on its own. It's not, the universe is not self-maintaining, that God is the one in control. He's, he's the one that keeps it all together. He's the one that keeps it running and he's working miracles today, intensifying nature and excluding nature he wants to. Working miracles even today when He answers your prayer. That's a miracle. I've got one question. How many in here today have had prayers answered? And you know that it, it changed the direction, it changed the outcome completely. If it had been just left to its natural process, it would have turned out a, a certain way. But because you prayed and God stepped in, you understand? He changed the whole situation for you. For every time God answers a prayer of yours today, it's a miracle. And that miracle is a special revelation from God to you. I'm alive. I'm a living God. I'm a powerful God. I can intensify nature. I can exclude nature altogether. I can heal your body without natural process. He said, I can even raise people from the dead. I can heal the lame. I can cause the blind to see. I can open deaf ears. I can cause the tongue that is dumb to speak. The lame man shall leap as a heart, as Isaiah said. It was a prophecy. The dumb shall shall speak thee, The deaf shall hear. The blind shall see. It was a revelation of God. A specific revelation to special individuals, specific individuals. That is special revelation. But even that is not sufficient. It still comes short. Because God can work a miracle for you, and you still don't know how to get saved. God can work a miracle for you, and when he works a miracle for you, does not give you the ability to say, I know you. God can work a miracle for you, and you not even know God. God can work a miracle for you, and you not even be saved. In Acts, the 8th chapter, he worked miracles in Samaria, and those people weren't even saved. Devils were cast out. People experienced miracles without being saved. So, but what does it do? It gives you a special revelation that god is alive that there is a god and i'm glad today he's still working miracles he answers my prayers he heals my body he steps in and meets my needs. special needs amen so it's it's just an awesome thing to know that god god is revealing himself to me this way do you understand what i'm preaching to you Now, the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest miracle that's ever been done. The resurrection of Jesus, and that proves that God it is God revealing Himself to man. Say, resurrection of Jesus. You think about it. Within a month and a half after the resurrection of Jesus, the apostles, His disciples, went out and preached everywhere they went. Seen him, the one who was crucified, dead and buried, rose again the third day. Crucified, dead, buried, resurrected. They, the disciples, said, "We saw him." <laughs> Above five hundred people saw him alive, resurrected from the dead, and a month. Think about the first month and a half Them preaching that everywhere. They went everywhere preaching that. They were willing to lose their social life for that message. They were willing to lose their social standing for that message. They were willing to even die for that message of the resurrection. These little disciples were scared to death hiding up in the upper room after Jesus died on the cross came out bold and powerful and preached the the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and do you know to this day to this day there has never been any proof to disprove the resurrection of Jesus nothing nothing to this day has ever been presented to disprove the resurrection of Jesus absolutely nothing I watched a debate a long time ago between one theologian and a, and a an atheist. And they were talking, going back and forth, you know, about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, the atheist didn't believe in it, right? And uh, it was just a tremendous, tremendous debate. Uh, I'm not going to get into the teaching of it, uh, how the theologian proved the resurrection of Jesus, but that atheist who wrote books w- stating there wasn't a God. Proving or tried to prove there was no resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that atheist became a believer. Because there has never, ever, ever, even to this day, been any facts to disprove the historical account of the resurrection of this man named Jesus. And they tried, they tried since his resurrection to the present day. Atheists and others have tried to prove that he wasn't risen from the dead. And they cannot prove it. There's nothing to disprove. It's historically factual that Jesus rose from the dead. That is the greatest miracle of God that has ever happened. That is awesome. These are factual things. They say, "So well, prove me there's a God. Well, it's easy. General revelation of God through nature, the revelation, general revelation of God through the conscience inside of you. You know there's a God. Historical facts prove there's the God. The rise and falls of the nation, Israel today's is a proof that God exists. The fact that they're even in existence today, His preservation, and then His special revelation to me, His miracles. The resurrection of Jesus and the ongoing miracles that you and I experience every day. See, I preach a living Lord and Savior. I don't preach a dead religion. I preach a God who's still working miracles, and I'm looking at some of them today. I'm a miracle. You're a miracle. Amen. All of your miracles. Uh, you know, and I look at some of you and and I see a special miracle. I think about Brother Raul right here. He's a special miracle. God brought him. He had one foot in the grave, literally. Literally, one foot in the grave, literally. God healed his body and God saved the man. If God had just left it alone to the natural process, like the clock wound up and let it run down, The deist believe this man would not even be alive, I believe, today. Because when he walked in the church, I was concerned he wasn't going to make it, you know, a week. And the man was sick. He's not sick now. He's just like the rest of us. He's frail. He's just like the rest of us. He, we all have infirmities. But God did a miracle in that man's life. Physically, physically a miracle. know it's Sister Blanca. I said, You're our miracle in the church. You're our miracle. That this sister, I want to tell you something. We we would talk to her and we would we try to get her in the church and, and her and Gary in the church a long time, you know. I remember standing back there in the back talking to her. That I mean, was years and years ago, her and Gary trying to get them in the church. And look at her face she's in the church. I can't tell you everything, you know, as far as how the sickness she's been diagnosed with, sickness before she got in the Lord, all kinds of things were going on in her body. This what? God touched her body as well. God touched her body, and God saved her. I always tell her, I say, you're our miracle. If I ever doubt the miracle working power of God, I always look at Sister Blanca. God can save her and and touch her body and heal her, but He can do it for you, all. Miracle. But everybody in this church, you're a miracle. Hallelujah! And God's still working miracles today because He's hearing prayer. That's proof. Proof that God is God and God is alive. If this don't light your fire. Your fire. Your wood just wet. You can't. Your fire can't be lit if this doesn't light your fire. He's my God, and He's a living God, and that's why I think religion is such a damnable thing. You know, and I'm talking about literally a damnable thing, because when you get religious, He's no longer a God that's working in your life or moving in your life or, or you know working miracles in your life. Oh no, my God, when I talk to Him. He talks back. When I pray, He answers my prayer. I've seen miracles. I've seen God. you see seen miracles. When it doesn't look good, you know, from a natural point of view, if things are not going well, all I can do is go to God in prayer. Say, Lord, the way it looks right now, it doesn't look good. Naturally, it doesn't look good, but I believe that you can intervene. I believe you can step in. You can sustain can choose to, you can exclude nature altogether. If you want to, you can intensify nature. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. he take five loaves and two fishes and break them and feed the multitude. 4,000 in one case, 5,000 in another case, and that was men only. Not even counting the children and, and, and uh, you know, the wives. 20, 25,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. How many of you have ever done? One miracle after another when Jesus came into the world to, to show you, to reveal God to you. If he had not done that, you wouldn't have known. Does that make sense to you? If it does, say praise the Lord. The greatest miracle, though, that any of us have ever experienced is not just the healing of our bodies or God meeting some kind of financial need, etc. Whatever. The greatest miracle that you and I have ever experienced. Is yes, regeneration. When you became a born again believer, when you got baptized in water in the name of Jesus, and you got filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, he took a devil and turned him into an angel. Well, maybe not an angel, but you're a lot better than you were. remember what were, where God found you remember what you were before Christ BC, before the Lord, you remember where God found you that's where a lot of people say they miss it. they have forgotten where God has found them I know where God found me that's why I love him so much and, and I don't know this to be true, I think everybody can love the Lord uh, but you know some people that have been raised in the church, they don't understand because they They were not found like some of you were found. They weren't taken out of the depths of sin. They weren't pulled out of hell like some of you were pulled out. Literally pulled out of a burning flame. So many and many of them, they don't don't understand. They're raised in the church. But for me, for some of you, we know where God found us. We know if it wasn't for God, we'd be dead in hell right now. And that's why we love Him so much. I'm a miracle when I stand before you and preach. I'm a miracle. If you could just see me where I came from, if you could see what I was before the Lord, you're looking at a miracle of transformation, a miracle of regeneration. God God does that in your life People so when they start seeing you, for the Daniel said, "I'm Daniel Sanchez." old buddy. who, it's not you. You're Daniel Sanchez. I'm Daniel Sanchez. They can't believe it. They can't believe what they're seeing. The miracle of regeneration. What God has done in your life is the testimony. It's the revelation of God to man. How many other miracles today? You're regenerated. You're a miracle. And the ongoing transforming power of God is God's revelation to man. It's a miracle that you're being transformed. That means you're becoming more and more like Him. you're becoming more and more like Him, that's the miracle working power of God. <laughs> Give the Lord praise to the house. Woo! <clears throat> So special revelation from God is miracle working power. And it's it's not, you know, like some people do. They they put on a show and, and they pay people to come in and they're not really sick to act like they're sick. And then there's no such thing as a faith healer. There's no such thing as man healing man. There's no such thing as faith healers. People get, get healed by faith. They don't get healed by man. If you get healed, you got healed by God. If a, if, a miracle ta- if a miracle takes place it had to be the power of God amen for it to be a true miracle counterfeit miracles can be done by the devil but they always lead you away from truth you understand what I'm saying to you? so I just praise God today for His goodness and His mercy and His grace because miracles are real are true. And the skeptic says, nah, you know, somebody went in there and they really weren't sick and they got paid some money afterwards. That has happened in history. That doesn't change the fact that God is still a miracle working God and he is a healer. How many of have experienced God's power in you? regenerated you? How many of y'all been changed? Isn't he good? He's just awesome. Alright, let me go on. Wow. (laughs) Prophecy. Prophecy is God's revelation to man. Okay? Now, prophecy falls into the category of special revelation, not just general revelation. Prophecy, God spoke to particular people, particular men that had walks with God, and God showed. On predictive things. Prophecy is predictive, which means God showed the future to them. Alright? Prophecy proves that there's a God. Prophecy is history written in things. Buddha never gave a prophecy, Jesus gives prophecy. God, the fact that you have prophecy. And that prophecy came to pass is proof that there's a God. This God knows the future. And he revealed the future to, to men and women, showed them the future before it ever happened. He told Isaiah the prophet over 150 years before Cyrus was ever born. There's no way Isaiah could have known Cyrus's name 150 years before he was born. And God came to Isaiah and said, There's gonna be a man born by the name of Cyrus. 150 years before he was born. He's gonna be called Cyrus and he's gonna deliver, he's gonna let my people go out of Medo Persia, out of Babylon. There's no way Isaiah could have known that, except God came and showed it to him, because he knows all things. So prophecy proves there's a God in the fact that it's predicted. He predicted the future, he predicted the rise and fall of the Medo-Persian Empire. He predicted the rise and fall of the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. He's predicted all of this future in the book of Revelation. Only God can do that. So prophecy is predicted. That proves that there's God. He's predicted in advance. Now, you've got to do is go to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel was so accurate in describing and, and, and even naming, naming. The rise and falls of these powers so accurate that people who try to disprove the Bible said it was written after it happened because it was so accurate they could not believe that anybody could have that kind of foreknowledge. So they said, Daniel was written after the fact, Daniel was written before the rise and fall of the person of the Greeks. Said, Someday I'm going to teach you some some things that are going to blow your mind. But I'll just give you just this little little bit. The Greek Empire, the rise and fall of the Greek Empire, is prophesied in the book of Daniel. The high priest went out to Alexander the Great and showed him the prophecy that he would defeat the Persians in battle. And when he when when that prophecy was shown to Alexander the Great, I'm talking about prophecy. Alexander the Great fell down in worship as a personification of God. He knew that the high priest wasn't God, but when he saw the vestures of the high priest and the name of God in his forehead, he said that is the representation of God on the earth, and he fell down and worshipped. And he walked into Jerusalem and offered a sacrifice to the God of Israel because of a prophecy. That God gave Daniel, that the Greek empire would overthrow the real real person empire. And he went into battle and it came to pass. You see what I'm saying? That is, that's recorded historically, like in Josephus, for example, that that actually happened. Now I'm in the process. I'm getting a little bit here and there. And I'm going to put a message together. It's going to really, it just just blows my mind. Okay? Wow. Hallelujah because it, it's, the message I'm working on is, prove, is going to prove that one proof of the oneness of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to that. Anyway, let me stop. I'll ask you one quick question to make you think, way and then later on I'll answer. I'll ask you one question. Was Jesus a monotheistic believer? Did Jesus believe in one God? And did he have script? Did he, did he give you scripture to prove that he was a one God believer? Well, if Jesus was a one God believer, I'm a one God believer. And I have scripture that Jesus gave that He said Himself that proves that Jesus Christ was a one God believer. Right. So you have got a few weeks, to, a few weeks or a few years maybe to go and study and find that one verse that Jesus, that one area of scripture that proves that Jesus was a monotheistic believer. Okay? Right? But I'm working on that right now. I'm excited about it. Nine. Prophecy, revelation from God, predictive prophecy. Look at all of this. Three, over 330 prophecies just about Jesus Christ in, in his first coming. Three three and a half years of his life, approximately 330 prophecies were fulfilled in his short life. And the majority of those 330 prophecies happened. Within the few hours of his death. And obviously I don't have time this morning to even give you, you know, a handful of those prophecies. Do you understand? Where was he going to be born? Bethlehem I like to talks about what he'd be born like. Right? The Bible talks about he be born of a virgin, right? Isaiah seven. You with me here? The Bible says he'd be betrayed by with for thirty pieces of silver. He's walking through the prophecies, prophecies and fulfilled just in his short life. And the last few hours of his life, the majority of him, in the life of Jesus, predicting prophecy. Oh, man. My faith is not built on something that doesn't have evidence. My faith is built on it. You understand? Evidence. Proof. I have proof. I'm not a blind leap in the dark. I don't live for, for God with no evidence. I've got evidence upon evidence of God's revelation to man. The prophecy is not just predictive, the prophecy is also preaching. Both are inspired. The prophecy, when it predicts the future, is inspired by God. Preaching, if it doesn't even have one element of prediction in it, is still prophecy because it's inspired. The Spirit of God begins to move, and it inspires the the declaration of that message. That is proof that God is alive. Proof it's a revelation from God. He predicted. Every time a man stands up or a woman stands up, it is anointed by the Spirit of God to declare his word because both predictive and preaching, and that prophecy, predictive or preaching, both of them are inspired by God. There's an anointing that comes on. We have an unction from the Holy One. The best way I know to explain that is like oil on the tongue. The words just slide off the yeah, you've you got to put something in. you got to study. Study to show yourself truth in the God word, and then you might be ashamed about the word truth. But still, when you get up, that inspiration comes on you. It just flows out of you like a river. It's not just intellect. It's God's spirit. So prophecy, special revelation of God, to predictive, predictive prophecy and preaching. I love it. I love both aspects of it. God still can predict the future. He can still use a man to, or a woman to predict the future. Amen. And I'm glad today He's still anointing people to preach the gospel, inspiring people to preach the gospel. That's proof that He is alive. Say, praise the Lord. And Jesus comes into the world. It, Jesus is God's greatest revelation. me. General revelation to all men, nature, conscience, history. Special revelation of God to men. Miracles, prophecy. None of those though. It still leaves you short of coming to know Him in a personal way. It still leaves you short of knowing how to be saved. That makes sense. It takes God coming in the form of a man called Jesus Christ, God's greatest revelation to man. God, when Jesus comes into the world, He shows you God in you see Jesus, you see none less than God coming flesh. He personalizes God. He shows you God's will. He shows you God's existence. He shows you God's nature. Jesus comes because He is God. He's not just like God. He's not just divine, which means He has the attributes of God. He feels is God come in the flesh so when you see Jesus you see God come in the flesh and he reveals the will of God what's the will of God well, that I repent? that I believe the will of God is that I repent. would I have known that by nature creation would I have known that by my conscience would I have known that by historical revelation of God, would I have known that by a miracle? Would I've known him in a personal way? in prophecy? Now it would point me to God, all of that would point me to God, but I would still need a revelation of God on a personal level, God coming in the form of a man to me to show me what is God's will, to tell me what is God's will. Repent. Be converted. Be ye perfect as I am perfect, said Jesus. Share the gospel to the world. Just a few things. He came and he revealed the existence of God, being God Himself. He revealed the nature of God, that God is love, that God is Spirit, that God is Father. You understand? nature of God. It's beautiful. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm preaching to you today? They might have under, might have heard about God being father in the Old Testament, but they didn't know him like that. In fact, Father was sort of foreign to them, Abba. But now Jesus comes and says, Abba, I'm going to show you Abba. I'm going to show you daddy. I'm going to show you the Father. I'm, I, I'm God personified. I'm going to have a personal relationship with you. I'm going to show God's will to you, his nature, who he is, that he is love, that he's spirit. Of God. Okay, let's look at it. Go to John 1. I'm almost done. I hope I'm not boring you this morning. Now let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews first. Hebrews 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God has sent to it sundry times in divers manners, spake. Gentiles, pastor of the fathers, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his substance, he is the expressed image of the substance of God, the essence of God name says person it should be substance he is the expressed image of the substance of God the essence of God when he says the expressed image he is exactly the same as God himself when you saw Jesus you saw the expressed image of God none less than God himself identically the same that's what it means expressed image Taking a coin. That coin's been minted. What makes the coin and the coin are exactly the same. You look at the picture on the coin, you look at what made the picture on the coin, and they are identical. And when Jesus came into the world, he was identically the same as God. you understand me? in the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his substance and upholding all things by the word of his power. He's keeping it all together. And when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Go to John 1. Is that good? John 1:1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. You believe that? John 1:14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That Word which was with God and was God, what happened? That Word became flesh. Came flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at verse 18. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten of Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath revealed him or declared him, or showed him forth. exegeted him the man. Brought him out. Hallelujah. So that when you saw Jesus Christ, you saw God kill sin. Are you with me today? The others were insufficient, but He is sufficient. Now God is speaking to us through His Son. Let's look at some other scriptures. Colossians 2. He said, Jesus said, He came to reveal the Father at the beginning of the message. Matthew 11 to reveal the Father to us, show us God. Colossus 2.12, you there? <laughs> And we're also you're risen with him through the faith, the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your heart. I'm going part 2 9. Okay. we give reverence to the word I am. Verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in faith you've been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body Jesus is not in the Godhead all the fullness of the Godhead is in him hear what I'm saying. He's not one among three. Which means that he would be in the Godhead. All the fullness of the Godhead, which means he's the headquarters of the Spirit of God. He is where God dwells. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in you. The only God you will ever see when you get to heaven or you stand before him on judgment. is the one who makes the invisible, eternal Spirit of God known to man in invisible, visible He's the only one you'll ever see. You won't see three persons when you get to heaven. Revelation tells you one throne and one set on that understand So all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, which means Godhead means the headquarters of God. The presence of God dwells inside of him. There's only one body, not three. Only one body, not three. All the points of the Godhead dwell in him, body. Okay, he's the revelation of God to man. John 14:9. remember this? We covered this a few weeks ago. Verse 8, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father that will with us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us. When you see me, you haven't just seen the Son. You've seen the Father, expressed the expressed image of the substance. Beautiful, beautiful message. He is God. He's none less than God. Okay. So in Christ, this is a personal message. get saved. By now we can know God in a personal way. Same as Jesus. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. He's the one that's living inside of me. He's the one that's living inside of me. He's the one that answers my prayer. He is God. There's no other God at all general revelation of God to all men is insufficient because it doesn't bring you to a personal knowledge of it. Personal relationship with him, I should say. It does, and then we have special revelation of God, which is miracles, but that's insufficient. Because the miracles of God only teach you about his attributes. But when you talk about Jesus, I hope you're enjoying the doctrine of Revelation. Then we have the revelation of God in the Scriptures. The Scriptures. Okay, Jesus is the living Word, right? John 1 1. The living Word. Logos, the living Word. General revelation also of God to man, but anyway. Then we have the Scriptures, Raphael. We have the written Word of God to Genesis to Revelation. In its original writings, this Bible here, 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, this Bible right here in its original writing was without error. It was infallible. Absolutely. No error. It in, in It original writings. You know what I'm saying? When God gave it to those men, to the prophets, He gave it to Dan, David, and all those, they wrote down God gave it, and it was infallible. It was no error in it at all. Sometimes, even the King James Version translation—I mean, it's accurate—but it's not as it's not as accurate as the originals. That's why sometimes you have to study the Greek, you have to study the Hebrew, you have to study the Aramaic to find out what is the word behind the English word. Now, honestly, I think I could take the, the King James Version, and uh, personally, um, I don't remember the, anything that I could tell you out of the King James Version. I can't remember any error that I could say to you. This is error in the King James Version. My point, what I'm saying to you, is not to put down the English translation or other translation. My point to you is that you understand. That the original writing of Scripture was without error, not translation. Okay? Men translated the originals. You, you get men translating, and they, they're limited, you know, with language and other things. Okay? So, do you understand that? But those who reverence the Holy Word of God, the Scripture, which is God's revelation to man, aren't you glad today that He put it in the book put it in written form from Genesis to Revelation, God's revelation of himself to man, his dealings with man in a general way, natural conscience, historical and special way, miracles, are you glad? And then he wrote Preaching, but other things in my life I'm doing. Someone me to tell me, you better breathe.
1: I'm trying. And I
0: can't can it. Sometimes I forget to breathe. Anyway, I'm just like that. So if I fall over, just, just get him out the mouth, and I'll be good. You no, know, go get my wife to get him out the mouth. Run and hurry. And, uh, and tell her to hurry too. because She may want to walk a little slow, but <laughs> breath. so the originals are without error. Thank you, brother. Uh, not the translations. It's the knowledge of God and His dealings with creation, creature. He embodies all general special prophecy the Lord Jesus the inner effect of the inner experience of the believer of all of you okay I'm glad I have the word of God to preached to me well in closing why did God give us a general revelation give man a general revelation of himself a special revelation of himself the miracles and then Revelation of of himself in a personal way, his sonship. Why did he do all that? That we might know him. All I've said to you today, all that I've preached to you today, is for you to understand that God loves you so much that he did all of that. We would have a personal experience with Him. You. you understand that? The Old Testament saints and New Testament saints had a personal relationship with God. You understand that? I think you do. To know God Himself on a personal level. As Paul said, He's my God. David said, He's my God. Personal relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Personal relationship with the Redeemer. That's why He has come. That's why He desired to reveal Himself to us. We would not have known Him if He did not take the initiative. But He wants a relationship with Him. He wants a relationship with me. The Old Testament saints. Some of them saw visible manifestations of God. Some of the Old Testament saints, God spoke to them one-on-one. Moses, God spoke to him. to them. He didn't speak to Moses in dark sayings. He didn't speak to Moses in in dreams. He spoke to Moses. He revealed himself to the prophets, they would hear dreams. Dreams are heard, not seen. They would see visions. But with Moses, God's face to face. Old Testament saints had that kind of relationship with God. They would, God would talk to them. and They would you want know Noah talk to God. God talked to them. Think about that. New Testament saints, Paul, Peter. A relationship of God. That's why the doctrine of Revelation is so important. Everything that we just covered today, God's desire to reveal himself to me. But then how can you know him? How can you know? Him? I'm, not, I'm not talking about the revelation of himself to you. I'm saying how does a dog know? Him? Huh? Dog don't know God. You're unique, you're different from the animal creation. You have the ability to talk to God, to know God, have a relationship with God. Animals don't have that capability. They just have a soul. They have a they, something that animates them, something that gives them life, but they don't have the ability to communicate with God, to know God, to talk to God. They operate by instinct. The last principle called a soul. It's God not only did everything all of this that you might know God, but then He created you so you could know Him, number one in your mental ability, number two, in your spiritual health. Mentally and spiritually. He created you and He created me that we might know Him. Think about it. Mentally, when He created man, He put reason mental capability. What is reason? There's nothing wrong with reason. You understand? As long as you don't abuse reason. Are you going to go to sleep on me? Will you hang with me if I get a little heavy this morning? If we use reason properly, it's good because God gave you reason. It's the uh, rationalists that we have a problem with because they abuse reason. They think reason is the answer to everything. Reason, a person who relies on reason alone, you hear, is somebody that's a rationalist. They rely on reason alone. And when people rely on reason alone, they come up with a lie called atheism. When they rely on re- rely on reason alone, they come up with doctrines like pantheism. God is an everything, Not atheism. God would that come out of the reason man? Right? Where pantheism come from? God's in everything. Human reason. You with me today? Stoics were, we're pantheists. God's in everything. You here today? So reason, if it's abused, it comes up with all kinds of false teachings. God gave us reason. He put reason in you. Does that make sense to you? Say reason. Well, what is reason? Your mental capabilities. How many reasonable people are having you? reasonable, then you're unreasonable, and that means that you have abused reason. Okay? So we're going to... God created everybody with reason. Say reason. Now, number one, it deals with, when you talk about reason, about logic. Logic is the ability to know truth. Okay? But reason is not limited just to, to our ability to know truth it is also connected to our ability, our cognitive, which means our ability to perceive something. Logic, ability to know truth. Judgment. Judgment is cognitive. It it, it gives you the ability to to judge between, uh, to look at something and make a judgment on it. Have a representation of something. Is it authentic? Is it real? Is it believable? That's where reason comes in, right? If you didn't have reason, you couldn't you wouldn't have capacity to know truth. If you didn't have reason, you wouldn't have capacity to look at something and say, that's believable or credible. okay? You understand what we're saying? You wouldn't have the ability to make a judgment on what is right and what is wrong. A representation of something if that's accurate. Is it credible? Is it believable? Or is it incredible? Unbelievable? So basically, when you talk about reason, then you're talking about logic, your ability to know truth, judgment, your ability to discern or to perceive. Credibility of something. It's believable Also, reason gives you the ability to organize things. And put it together. Alright, you win be so Okay. So there's nothing wrong with reason. Logic, the ability to know truth. Judgment. Is something credible or not? Okay, you perceive it. And then organizing things, put it together. That's what reason is. So there's nothing wrong with reason. You can abuse it. With me so far. So God created you with reason, the ability to know truth, and the ability to look at something and say, "That's believable. That's credible." Yeah. I'm gonna take a chance. Okay. okay, with me? Take a chance. Gave you a real basic understanding of what reason is. Now, here we go. Ready? Chance. Okay reason is the power or the ability to know truth. That's the logical power. And the cognitive power is the ability to perceive, to compare, to judge, and to organize. God has endowed man with reason. The thing that is wrong is not the use of it, but the abuse of it. Proper use. Capacity to know truth. Okay? called intuition. Alright, the capacity to know truth. Ideas of space, time, cause, substance, design, right, and God, which are the conditions of all subsequent knowledge. All right. They give you the capacity. Does that make sense? To know truth in all these various fields. And all these various fields are the conditions of all subsequent knowledge. To judge the credibility of a representation. Credible means believable. Some things are incredible, like a cow jumping over the moon. Okay? All right, reason determines whether it is credible. Nothing, listen now, this is important. Nothing is incredible but the impossible what is incredible unbelievable what's credible something that's believable unbelievable is incredible and only the impossible is incredible and really what is impossible Anything that contradicts the character of God, the truth of God, or any known fact of truth that you know is true. Does that make sense? Hang on. Okay, ready? You judge the credibility. or the representation is incredible, it means believable. Some things are incredible, like a cow jumping over the moon. Reason determines whether it's credible or believable. Nothing is incredible but the impossible. Something may be strange, unaccountable, and unintelligible, and yet credible, which means believable. Just because it's strange and and unaccountable or, intelli- or, or unintelligible, doesn't mean that it's not. Believable. Okay. We must be able to believe in the incomprehensible, or we can believe nothing. Johnny, that's what that's what your reason does for you. Praise the Lord, I don't to feel But actually, when I teach you the Word of God, in the truth and sense of the Word, I'm a theologian. But here's the good news. So, is everybody out there who knows the Word of God and understands the Word of God, you're also a theologian. So, everybody I'm teaching this morning, you're a theologian. Sometimes I have fun with it because, you know, there are so called theologians. They're really wrong. But I feel like theologians start using these big words. Okay, so basically, do you understand what reason is? It's your ability to know truth. Okay, it's your ability to what, judge. The credibility or I the mean, the credibility of the believable is it believable, world, or is it incredible? If it's incredible, that means it's unbelievable, and if it's unbelievable, that means it's impossible. If it's not impossible, it can be credible, which means Only that which is impossible is incredible or unbelievable. And what is impossible is this. Now that was simple. Come on, man. I chewed on that. The impossible, which then would be what? Incredible. Is God's character, His... uh, God's character, co- contradiction. What is impossible? A contradiction in God's character, His laws, or some other authenticated truth. Really? Just because I can't explain it doesn't mean it's not credible. Just because I don't know how it happened. I don't know how this life's working right now. But it's credible. It's strange. It's unintelligible to me. You understand? I can't put my finger on how it works, but it does. Does that make sense? Okay. Does it make sense to you that a message can can be transferred thousands of miles in a second? for words from one place to another, thousands of miles. Does that make sense? How? How? I don't. It's unintelligible to me. You can't explain it, but it's credible. Do you understand? Know so you cannot. Okay, what is impossible then? Is a contradiction. And the character laws of God are some authenticated truth. That is all to be incredible. What is Faith. Faith involves assent. Assent is conviction produced by evidence. Faith without evidence is irrational or impossible. judge it credible, the evidence must be there. Historical truth, historical evidence. Empirical truth, experience. Mathematical truth, mathematical evidence. Moral truth, moral evidence. Things of the spirit, demonstration of the spirit. First Corinthians 2, 14-16. me. Really? Alright, so where were we? Where we were was how did God make you and me? What did He give us so that we could know Him? He gave us mental ability or reason. The ability to know truth, the ability to judge and organize, right? What's credible, what's incredible. And what's incredible is only that which is impossible. And that which is impossible is a contradiction in character laws and hope. that which is authenticated truth. Correct? Okay, but it's true. But God gave that to you and He gave that to me when He made man. If you didn't have that, you couldn't know God. Praise right. the It's when you when you get you start moving into rationalism, which is you rely completely on your human reason alone, it comes up as abuse. I be all over. Some of these young men you get up for it. hallelujah in the name of Jesus, it's credible. And only that which is impossible is incredible. Hallelujah. And that which is impossible is a contradiction in the character and the laws and authenticated truth. go oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord God. How did you start running the shout and praise of the Lord? When I say it, you just sit there. But when they say it, you rush the altar, bow on your face before God, tears running down your eyes. I've never heard anything like this in my life. I don't know what he said, but hallelujah. Go ahead, Norm, and this. All right, and connected to reason is to organize the facts into a system. That's where you get into systematic theology, because God didn't do that for you. You have to use reason to do that. You have to organize the facts. You have to use judgment to determine. You understand what's credible or not. You have to use reason to have the ability to know truth. Put it all together. But that's a part of reason: it's organizing the facts. And Lord willing, we're going to teach you some systematic theology. What does the Bible say about God? What does the Bible say about sin? What does the Bible say about man? So I'm really gonna put you to sleep. I'm really gonna. you don't love this. There's something wrong. You don't love this, there's something wrong. Thank you. Okay, second, secondarily, God made it possible for us to know him, you know, spiritual Spiritual endowment, first of all, God gave you intuition that when we talked about the beginning, something inside of you that says, There is a God. What is his name? There's a God. That's intuition that's inside of you. It's connected to your conscience. It's connected to your reason. He you put it in there. It's a spiritual, spiritual thing, but it's also mental. Now, what this goes on says this. Right? For the believer, 1 Corinthians, let's go there. We're not limited just to reason. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So for the believer, we don't just have reason. Okay? We just have logic and judgment or an ability. God takes it further than that. When he fills you with his spirit, you get filled with his spirit. God reveals himself to you in a supernatural way by his spirit he gives you understanding as an individual an understanding a revelation of himself to you and an understanding of everything that he has for you. but it's on a higher level than just mental capability it's spiritual birth rebirth God Himself, the one who revealed Himself to men, that comes to dwell inside you. And the whole time He lives inside you, He's revealing Himself to you. Self-disclosure of God to us, and he gives you the ability, He gives me the ability the and Scripture. What an awesome God he is. Amen, praise the Lord. let's stand. Hallelujah. And when he comes inside of you by his spirit, he takes the conscience that may have been defiled, corrupted, and seared. Restores that conscience to its rightful place. Lord, I thank you today for the truth, God, that you have revealed yourself to us, that we can know you. I thank you, God, today that you're here in the midst of this congregation, people, with this knowledge, this understanding, Father.